there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant, and this is the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where I am continually, weekly committed to resolving your child's exhausting sleep habits. Today's episode is a little off the cuff because I am really feeling inspired from some things that I've heard people tell me recently and then an Instagram post that I put out because it really struck me and I typed it out, I pushed it out there and I'm just wanting to get this message further than just a little square on my feed. So have you ever said this to yourself? Just be honest with me as a listener. Have you ever said to yourself, yeah, this is great, Becca, but you haven't seen blank before. There's no way you can help us. All right, today I am actually getting into the people, the clients, the families who were the toughest cases, the most bizarre cases. And I want you to listen to this and understand that, girl, your kid can sleep. Your baby can sleep. Your toddler can sleep. It's just, I've seen a lot in my three plus years, and I have actually never gotten to the end of a time with a family and said, oh, I'm so sorry. Your child, they just don't need to sleep. So, you know what? You're just an anomaly. You're a unicorn. Your baby does not need as much sleep as other babies. That's just false. You might be convincing yourself that your baby doesn't need as much sleep as other kids, and I'm here to tell you that they do need that much sleep. You do have a sleeper. You just need to trust me to take my hand, to follow my lead, Open up your home, sometimes just your phone, and I will help you through those things. I am going to be opening up today about stories, experiences, and right now, I just want you to kind of put aside that mental note that you've been trying to convince yourself that your child doesn't need as much sleep. I've even heard some medical professionals say this, and I just want you to put that thought, if you've heard it from someone, maybe a family member, if you've heard it from um, a pediatrician, if you've heard it from anyone, I want you to put that aside because it's just not true. So, all right, let's get into some strange situations, some client cases where the odds seemed very against us, and you might have said, ooh, Becca, that's hopeless. That's You're not going to be able to help that at all. That kid just, that, there's no hope. So one of the very early families that I worked with was a little girl who was three or four. And y'all, I'm not going to be saying names or anything like that or locations or whatever. I'm just going to go through the, the cases. So it was a little girl who was three or four. And before we were able to work together, she had to have thousands and thousands of dollars of dental work done because her sleep prop was cans of Sprite. Yes, you heard that right. Every night, every bedtime, all throughout the night, she had cans of Sprite sitting next to her bedside. And when she woke up and couldn't sleep, she would drink Sprite. So before we could even tackle that issue, she had to have tons of dental work done, of course, as you can imagine, because sugar everywhere. And um, I want you to just not judge the situations for a moment. Honestly, it was really, really hard for me to hear that and be like, I'm sorry, what? 
But when I come into a situation, I get to know a family, I understand how they got there. And you may not be too far off from giving your child cans of Sprite, although you're probably not, but it's not that it's not that hard to get into. Because what had happened is their child had been sleeping in a crib just fine. And then when they transitioned too early into a toddler bed, the child ended up coming to mom and dad's room. And the only way that they could finally get their kid to go back to their own bed was if they went to the kitchen and got something to drink. And one night there was Sprite. And that was the only thing that was there. So they gave the child some Sprite that one time, right? We've all said that. Just one time, you can have this. And then that turned into another night and then another night. And waking up three to four times a night is exhausting. So why not just give her a can of Sprite by her bed? She'll just have some sips. She'll go back to sleep. It'll be just fine. The problem is it had become more than one can. And of course, now we had to have dental work done. And mom and dad knew this was not a sustainable option. So we worked together for almost a month to reverse this habit because that's a deep habit, y'all, of waking up throughout the night and getting exactly what you want when you want it. It's pretty deep. So it took us about a month and we were able to quit the Sprite (laughs) to work towards other rewards. And this was something where we were absolutely going to work towards a reward chart, towards immediate rewards. But I had to tell the parents that, look, when your child meets these small rewards along the way, when they do their bedtime routine, when they stay in their bed quietly, when they sleep in their bed, they stay in their bed until the clock turns green and they get a prize in the morning, well, that prize cannot be Sprite. So we found other things like little trinkets, Band-Aids. That's when the whole Band-Aid thing actually started, um, realizing that, gosh, kids love Band-Aids and that's a really easy prize. And in a month, we were able to remove that. We were able to stop her wake up throughout the night Let's just also say that from the beginning, Sprite was not even an option. So by the time a month, you know, we had worked together for a month, she was actually sleeping in her bed all night long. Uh, We stopped the Sprite from night one. There was no more Sprite from the beginning. So just to be clear on that, we absolutely cut out that prop right away. And that takes time. It takes patience. But she did it. And isn't that crazy? I know you're thinking of this and you're like, oh, I would never do that. I would never give my kids Sprite in the middle of the night. But what about co-sleeping? Have you ever said that, and gosh, I've heard this so many times, you might have said, oh, my baby is never going to sleep in my bed. Well, guess what? I said the same thing too. And by month four of our oldest daughter's life, she was right in the middle of our bed because I did not know what else to do. So I work all the time with families who are currently bed sharing or co-sleeping. Those are actually two different terms. But if you're sharing the bed with your child, my sleep philosophy is that that's not where they belong. They belong in their own bed, in their own space, that everyone has the best sleep quality possible. And I work with families every week to get children out of their beds and into their own crib or their own big bed, wherever they are, age development-wise. And that happens all the time. So I often get parents asking me like, yeah, well, Becca, I bet you, you can't fix this. My child has been in our bed for three years, for four years. Well, I worked with a five-year-old who was in mom and dad's bed and had been like that for the longest time. And so I was able to help them on night one, get this daughter into her own room, which was beautiful. She had her own beautiful princess room, literally canopy, all the beautiful things, such a great room. 
And from night one, we were able to get the child in her room and set up a lot of support system. So we did not just throw her in there and say, good night, close the door, see you never. That's definitely not the sleep philosophy or sleep methods I work with. But we were able to build up her confidence in her sleep, that her own room was a great place to be, that she was able to go to sleep without mom physically laying next to her and phase mom out of the picture and get dad back in and get dad as another method of helping her get ready for bed, go through the bedtime routine motions, say goodnight, read bedtime stories, all this good stuff. And for this five-year-old, the biggest thing was just building up her confidence that she did not need to roll over and grab mommy's hand or roll over and have mommy scratch her back in the middle of the night. So one of my favorite things that we did for this child was we put up some family pictures in her room. So we wanted to be able to have family pictures set up throughout the child's room because the whole reason she had ended up in mom and dad's room was because of a family loss. She had lost a sibling. So we were able to build her confidence up that she was safe, she was loved, she was secure, she was with mom and dad. Even if she wasn't laying with them in the middle of the night, she could still have mom and dad by having pictures set up around her room and even under her pillow. And so there's really great things we can still work with. So if you've gone through a traumatic loss or your family has been in a really stressful situation, that doesn't mean that we have to throw sleep out the window. In fact, that's when it's most needed is when everyone needs a full restorative night of sleep. So I've given you two examples of older kids, like three, four, five. Well, what about babies? (laughs) Becca, what about the babies that you've worked with and what's gone on with them and what are some situations that you've dealt with? I could sit here all day long and go through some, but I know that the number one sleep prop that I work with are feeds, are nursing to sleep, are bottles to sleep, and A lot of times, the families I'm working with, we are so intensely focused on dropping the bottle habit or dropping the nursing habit because not only is the mom exhausted because she's up all night long doing this, but the child has become a poor eater during the day. And so here's what I hear from families. Becca, my kid cannot sleep 11 to 12 hours throughout the night because they need to eat. They're not eating well during the day, so they have to eat at nighttime. False. This is not true unless we're talking about a newborn. Y'all know that newborn expectations are completely different than older baby expectations. And so by the time your child gets to be four, five, or six months, depending on their age and their weight, this all depends on what your pediatrician is saying for age and weight wise. But I have worked so often with babies from six months all the way up till 16 months old who parents were convinced that their child needed to get up in the middle of the night to nurse or to have a bottle because they needed those calories. They were not eating that well during the day. And my favorite thing to tell parents is, you know what? That's just simply not true. Your baby is snacking all night and all day long. In fact, mom, you have set up an open buffet for your child and they are convinced that they need to have this feed and they need to just get up and eat whenever they want to. In fact, mom, you have set up an open buffet and I see this all the time and I joke about it that we've set up an open buffet for baby. They can get up and get whatever they want whenever they need it, just even an ounce or two or eight ounces in the middle of the night and go right back to sleep or fall asleep on that feed. But the problem is your child's brain and your child's stomach are not connected. When your child is sleeping on a feed like a dream feed, 
or even a feed in the middle of the night when they wake up and you go feed them back to sleep, their brain and their stomachs are not connecting. They're not registering that, oh, I just ate, I filled up my belly, I'm full, I'm satisfied, now let me go back to sleep. No, they are using nursing, they are using a bottle as a mechanism to go to sleep. And that's backwards, right? We should not, and this just makes sense if we apply this to our adulthood, We should not be using food as a mechanism to go back to sleep on. That's not the driving force of what we want your child's sleep to be. In fact, I always look at when your child begins to sleep through the night and when they begin to not even just sleep 11 to 12 hours, but once they start to get more consolidated, independent, independent, self-soothing sleep, Your baby is going to become a more efficient eater. And I guarantee this so much that I put it in the sleep plans. When I'm working with a family, I tell them, guess what? In week one, week two, your child is going to be more interested in eating because they're feeling better. They're more well-rested. And if you're listening to that being like, yeah, whatever, Becca, that's so not true. Okay, then if you're an exhausted mom, where has your appetite gone? Do you have the same appetite as you did before? Are you not feeling motivated to make dinner, to even meal plan, to find a snack you're just grabbing at convenience? That's a hard truth, but I can say that because I've been there and I've worked with hundreds of families to come through the other side of that. Your baby can sleep all night. We just have to teach them that food is not a mechanism for sleep. Food is for nourishment, not for sleep. Now, the final case that I want to walk through that will totally below your expectation at the water. If you're still listening to this being like, yeah, 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 Becca, that's great. But you totally cannot help me because my kid does blank. I have actually worked with a number of heart babies. um, And I, I absolutely love these stories because they are pitted against all odds, right? Like they were in the NICU. They've had a lot of disrupted sleep. Um, They've had to just go through so much in their tiny little life. And you would think that they get a pass, right? They don't, they're just going to have whatever kind of sleep habits they have. We're going to do whatever they need because they just need to go to sleep. Sometimes they can't even cry because of their heart conditions. Well, about a year ago, I worked with a two-year-old who the reason I'm even bringing him up now is because he's currently in an open heart surgery um, this week and doing a lot of big time surgery. And it's amazing to me because a year ago, we were able to get this child to sleep 10 hours through the night. And that's a big deal by any standard, but there's a lot going on for this two-year-old. So this two-year-old has honestly so many uh, medical issues. I really don't even have the time or the space to put it into this episode. Um, He's a miracle baby, first of all. Um, He has his insides are actually backwards. He has some heart condition issues. Um, He also has diet issues. So a year ago, he could not eat any food food he could only have bottles and so only have bottles he could only um, take bottles during the day and he had to have bottles during the night because of calories but the problem was he often vomited in the middle of the night and so when he would vomit in the middle of the nighttime they'd have to clean him up and then actually help give him more calories because he had just vomited the calories that he was supposed to get So it was a really, really, really big deal, really big issue. And we worked for about four to six weeks together. The other deal going on um, was autism and saw some things within this that children with autism are actually not going to get as much sleep as I had said. And this was something I had to learn. I had to research that um, oftentimes when I work with 
children with no medical issues, yes, we're saying 11 to 12 hours through the night, but there are some medical conditions where your child is not going to sleep the full 11 to 12 hours. And in this case, about nine to 10 hours was all this little boy was going to get. And that was a dream though, because when we first got started, he was waking up about every two hours, maybe even 90 minutes throughout the night. So by the end of our time together, guess what we were able to do? This little boy was no longer vomiting in the middle of the night. He was no longer drinking bottles in the middle of the night. And he was sleeping 10 hours straight. It was the most rewarding, the most exciting family I have ever worked with because that kid needed rest. Now, it wasn't perfect. Um, We were not really able to allow him to cry or to protest. And so there was really not a lot of nap training we can do because of the fact that he got really, really upset with his heart condition. He just couldn't do that. So naps were sometimes hit or miss. But you know what? The quality of his life improved when he started sleeping better at nighttime. Mom was able to actually have some time out at nighttime and not have to worry about getting up at random hours to clean him up, to change his um, crib sheets, to feed him more. And that was an amazing gift for her. And it still gives me goosebumps. It still gives me like teary eyes to think about that little boy because he's my motivating factor. Your kid can sleep. And if you still have come to the end of this podcast and you're like, yeah, whatever, Becca, my kid can't sleep because of blank, then this is your invitation to book a call with me, to talk with me, to send me a message because it's my job to create happy, healthy, well-rested families and your family can be one. So thank you for indulging me today on this passion project podcast. I um, had no notes. I'm just kind of going by what I know, what I remember, and what I'm passionate about, which is creating well-rested families. I hope that you have sweet dreams. And as always, I'll see you next time.